With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Jackson Slomwhite, mental performance coach with the Charlottetown Islanders. Being the first mental performance coach to come on the podcast, Jackson presents some interesting viewpoints on the game and brings a number of other sports into the conversation as well. For anyone looking to dive into this side of sports, this discussion provides some great information. So with that, I am happy to present Jackson Slotwhite, mental performance coach with the Charlottetown Islanders. Today we're joined by Jackson Slomwhite, the mental performance coach with the Charlottetown Islanders. Jackson, thanks for joining the podcast. No problem, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know we just talked a little bit before about the uniqueness in your position and, and it being you know one of the first on the podcast. And a lot of people think about certain things in hockey operations, but I think mental health consulting and mental health performance and things like that um, sometimes don't get talked about as much as the other things. So uh, very excited to have you on, and with that, we'll go to the first question. Just uh, tell us a bit about yourself, including where you grew up, and touch on your involvement in sports throughout your youth. Yeah, so I grew up in New Haven, Prince Edward Island. I'm 26 years old now. Uh, you know, growing up, I played pretty much every sport I could. It was, I just loved to compete. It was so much fun, and when you come from the space as small as PEI, you get the chance to play sports at a pretty pretty high level actually so to get the opportunity to compete you know nationally internationally it was a lot of fun and taking that moving forward into what I do it's just it's a great fit yeah for sure um, it was very exciting to hear about the you know Prince Edward Island it's uh relates to me like Newfoundland you know the smaller place and, and people always oh, have yeah. a connection to their hometown so it's uh, it's great to hear about that and then as well the multi-sports and like you said, in, in a smaller place, you also have the opportunity sometimes to play higher sports just based on population and the way things work. So um, yep. interesting to hear that as well on your end. So in I'm school, not ashamed to say it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great to, uh, you know, put that out there. Um, so in school, you would attend both the University of Prince Edward Island and Western University. Talk about how, uh, talk about, you know, both those programs and maybe more specifically at Western, how did the program prepare you to work in sport? Yeah, so... UPEI was just very, I did a BA in psych and when I started, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I kind of started to realize like, oh, I've been working on this stuff since I was 13 as an athlete. Let's go after that. So then I went to 
I went to Western and I chose Western because I could do a program there where I was co-op. So I got to work with a team for the two years that I was there. So for Western, I got to major in sports psychology and coaching, but I think more importantly than what I did in the classroom, it was just being on the field and in the gym with that team for two years was just, I learned more there than I did in the classroom. I learned a lot in the classroom, but I definitely learned a lot more on the field. Definitely. I think a lot of people talk about these different programs. I went through Brock Western's one that people bring up and, and Lambden and so many different more uh, programs that, you know, as, as much as you learn in the classroom, it really is those opportunities and the experiential learning that you can take part in that you take away most things. Uh, you know, at Western, you said you work with athletes. Uh, one of them was the men's baseball team there. Uh, just talk about, you know, a little more specifically that experience and what you learned in working with those students. Man, that, that was a ride. <laughs> that was, that was awesome. Like I, I was really fortunate to work with an excellent guy. who was also a mentor of mine, Mike Lumley. He was a professional baseball player and he was coaching there at Western. And I told him, I wrote him a letter when I applied. I said, yeah, like I played, which I did. I said, like, yeah, I played. I know the game. Like I should be able to fit in well. And I got there and I thought I knew the game. I, d- I didn't know the game at all. <laughs> like this guy and this team were just on such another level. They were so professional in everything they did. And when I went and I was part of the team, I wasn't listed as like a, a sports psych or a mental performance coach. Like I was an assistant coach, which meant I, I performed assistant coach duties, like throwing BP and hitting ground balls and things like that, which was a great way to connect with the players but it was also a really big challenge for me because like, Hey, like I got to step my game up here, not just mentally, but also physically to help these people out. Um, but no, it was a, it was a wild experience. It was like the first time that I really got to work with athletes that were older than me or just as old as me. Cause some of these guys played college ball and then they went back to school after there was no age limit. So I had like, I had, 30 year old PhD students. And I'm like 22 and 23 coaching these guys. It's like, man, like you got to know your stuff <laughs> and yeah. you need to build a good relationship. If you want them to take you seriously and, and for you to be able to help them, like it's, it's a must. Plus they were just really good. It was just so much fun. Yeah. So many lessons learned there. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, anytime you work with students at, at any level, uh, I'm sure people will say it's always fun, especially when you can start relating to them and, and especially getting involved, like you said, hitting ground balls and, and throwing BP and things like that. Um, an interesting position that you held around that time, uh, assistant coach with the London Badgers. Uh, speak to your time with the Badgers and then touch on some of the transferable skills you learned there. Sure. The Badgers was Mike's like the coach for Western, that was his summer team. So I worked with their 18U AAA squad. Um, they were also really good. They won back-to-back national championships. And I got to help out with the first year of that before I moved on. Awesome time. They're just so – they were the first real taste of being like, okay, this is what it means to really have like a professionally run organization. Like these were 15, 18 year old kids, but just the same way that Mike ran the university team, like these were disciplined, hardworking 
young players who wanted to make it. And I really got a glimpse into being like, okay, this is what a winning culture looks like. This is what it takes to do what these players are doing and to go where they want to go. Um, so I guess transferable skills, it was just learning like, okay, this is what it takes to win. This is what a winning culture looks like. This is what that fine line between supporting your athletes and challenging them is like, it was just such invaluable experiences, like so much fun, really, really beneficial. <laughs> Definitely. Sure. Plus it's, it's fun to win. Yeah. You know, winning is always the best. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, you learn so much in that winning culture. Um, a couple of our guests before I've talked about working with uh, teenagers and, you know, a lot of times it's triple A hockey, but like you said, uh, working with that age group, um, it really is like it's professional, you know, baseball or professional hockey, uh, the way they train and the way they uh, infuse that work ethic into everything they do. Uh, they, they really commit to their craft and um, you can learn so much in that time uh, with those kids. So back on the side of mental health uh, and performance, you moved into a position with the University of PEI, this time working with the men's soccer team. Talk about that opportunity and the difference now, uh, you know, transitioning into soccer. That was definitely a different, a different beast of its own for sure. UPEI was the first time that I was slated as like the mental performance coach. So it wasn't an assistant coach role. I didn't have any other aspects like that going. It was just, you are the mental performance guy. That's, that's what you do. So that was my real first taste of like, okay, there are certainly mental performance principles that transition that, that work with all sports, but I really got an idea of like, okay, it's incredibly important for me to know as much about this culture and as much about this sport as I can in order to relate to these guys and to give them pretty much everything I can. That was also my first really big taste of being like, you know what? Some players want it more than others. Some don't, and that's okay. Like some of those, some of those guys, like, you know, you hear about mental performance and some of them are like, Oh, like, that sounds cool. I could use that to get a leg up. Sure. And some are like, eh, sounds kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. I don't really get it off the top. So no, <laughs> no, thanks. And just learning how to, how to be in that moment and try to make the best of those situations was, was really huge. But I, I appreciate that opportunity so much to get to work with, you know, that university level, to work with those guys who are still like, I still, if I run into any of those guys now, it's still, whether they, whether they wanted to do more mental performance stuff or not, there's still that, that great bond and that respect there. And they were, yeah, they were a lot of fun. They were, they a, were definitely fun to work with. There's a great opportunity to hear about. And I'm glad you touched on the point of some players wanting it and some players maybe straying away from it. Uh, West Wolf made a great point in one of our earlier conversations on the podcast, just speaking about the, the, different coaching aspects that some players gravitate towards and then some players stay away from certain things, some like video, some like constructive feedback. There's so many different outlets for learning. So maybe in the same way, some like the mental performance and like you said, some just feel uncomfortable in that situation. But I think it's important to keep at it and, and make everyone aware that, you know, it, it went down the right way. It is very beneficial um, in life and in sport in general. So one opportunity that I really wanted to touch on was an ex extremely unique position. Um, you know, you're able to work with Special Olympics PEI. 
Just talk about that whole experience and what you learned working with those incredible athletes. Yeah, incredible is definitely the right word for it. Um, it's almost hard to put into words just how rewarding that work is. Like, they're just such amazing people. Everyone involved, the athletes, the volunteers, the coaches, the staff, like just to give anybody the opportunity to play is just such a, it's a gift that I, that I honestly, I wish more of the athletes that I work with, like with some of the teams I'm with now, I wish that they could take on some of the qualities that I see when I work with special L because those coaches, those volunteers, those athletes, they are so grateful for what they get. They are so excited about what they're doing. They have more fun than any other team or organization I've ever worked with. Like hands down, they just, they enjoy it so much. And yeah, it's, and to be playing a small part in that and just to help them become a little bit mentally stronger and teach them skills that not only help them on the field, but also off in life. It's just, it is incredibly rewarding. Like if, if anyone ever has the opportunity to work with a special organization, volunteer for them or anything, you will not regret it. Yeah. I think that's a, a great way to put it. Um, a little bit in my past, I've been able to work uh, maybe not in a full-time role or anything like that, but had opportunities to interact with um, some different organizations like that. And like you said, the, the true meaning of the sport and, and the true passion in the sport really just radiates from everybody. So um, any opportunity to, to work in that setting and work with those athletes is something that um, anybody, whether they're professionals or amateur or a player or on the management, they should really take the opportunity to uh, get involved because, you know, it's an eye opener in many aspects of, uh, of sports and, and life, like you said, in general. Um, another company you worked for up until recently was Ahead in the Game. Before, you move, before we move into hockey and, and that work, uh, just talk about Ahead of the Game and your involvement with that. Sure. Yeah. So when I graduated from school, my next step was to become a certified professional here in Canada. So become a Canadian Sports Psychology Association professional member. And to do that, you need, I think it was something like 400 hours of supervised practice underneath someone who already had the certification. So I went back home from Ontario to PEI and I started working with my first sports psych mentor, Tara Costello. And her business was ahead in the game. So I started getting my supervised hours under her. And when I was done with the supervised hours and I became certified, I just kept working with her while I was there. So that provided me the opportunity to work with so many different teams and sports that I never thought I'd be working with before, like um, from bowling to ping pong and like, you know, it was, it was really cool. And to have, to have someone help guide me through it, first getting started like that and to have the opportunity to work with so many different people and get so many different experiences, it was, it was awesome. It was great. I think one of the things that uh, that opportunity shows is just how many athletes and how many people really use the, the mental health consulting and mental performance uh, coaching, like you said, bowling, ping pong. 
people don't think <laughs> about these sports uh, being in that group, but yeah, uh, you know, it really does help everybody. And it's an aspect that all sports should consider and coaches of all different sports, age groups, et cetera. So um, it was one of the things that was interesting hearing about. And I know we talked about it a little bit before, but um, interesting to hear that you had your hands, uh, you know, on that many sports in the game. Mm. So in 2017, you would make the jump into the world of hockey as a consultant uh, with the Charlottetown Islanders as a mental performance coach. What initially enticed you about working in hockey after obviously having a number of experiences in different sports and how has your time been in the QMJHL? Man, um, the first thing that really, like I've always been a fan of the game. Like I had a backyard rink growing up. I would play like, you know, NHL, whatever, maybe it was like 2000 on my old computer when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> and you know, I've always loved the game. It's always been super fun to watch. I've always enjoyed it. So when I got, back home PEI it's like I want to work with the best of the best you know I, I want to help elite players get more out of themselves than even they thought they could and at the time I thought you know what like this is pretty much as elite as I can get at home right now and I want to do it let's go for it so you know got started with them and it's just been it's been eye-opening in a really good way like it's just such a great environment to sort of test your skills and you learn so much like these young players who are playing a professional schedule and really are preparing to become professional players and at the very least also professional people. Like it's, it's a learning experience that I try my best to never take for granted. And I hope I can continue with it because I'm just, I'm learning so much and I'm hoping that I'm making an impact with the players that I get to work with. Uh, yeah, but being in the queue has just been, it's just, it's been a lot of fun having a great time with it. I think uh, junior hockey in general is just a very fun atmosphere. Uh, kids are so excited and, and always striving to, you know, hopefully go to the NHL and, and other professional leagues or just have a good time and, and take care of schooling and things like that. But um for as, as much of a development stage it is for players, uh, for coaches and, and people like yourself and, and even me with analytics and things like that, um, we learn so much and are able to uh, work on our craft and things like that as well. So um, junior hockey really is its own unique beast and unique opportunity that, again, a lot of people um, who are looking to climb that ladder and whatever it may be, they, they should look for their local team and see if they can get involved because uh, once you're in there, you know, it's, it's hard to, <laughs> hard to see yourself anywhere else. So it's hard to leave, man. Be yeah, to go. It's it too is. much fun. <laughs> yeah. That's why you see a lot of people go to the NHL and levels like that, but they always want to get back. And even if it's a scout, <laughs> just, just watching the OHL or the, the QMJHL or WHL or whatever it may be, um, it's definitely a, a key aspect of their job and something they like to do moving forward. Yeah, it is such a great time. Yeah. And it's funny, you, I like how you said about, you, know, you have these kids who have this dream that they're chasing. Being around that every day is just so enjoyable. Like to be able to help guide those players towards these dreams that they've probably had since before they could walk. Like the amount of passion that they have, the, the enjoyment they have and what they want to do. It's it's really inspiring to see kids who say like, yeah, I'm going to put it all out there to try to make this happen. And when you see someone doing that, you can't help, but just want to do everything you can to help them get there. Yeah. 
I think that's a, a great, great point to make. And um, coaches and performance coaches and development coaches, uh, it really radiates in that aspect that they just want to do absolutely everything and, and put in those extra hours because you know when that when that one kid goes up to the NHL or makes that jump or is successful at any level, um, it's very rewarding and um, it's a fun journey to be a part of. Mm. So while in this position, uh, you would gain a mental performance title with the Charlottetown Knights, uh, or formerly known as the Pride. Yep. Uh, walk us through the transition uh, with them and your initial roles and responsibilities while working with minor hockey players. Yeah, it was a cool, it was a cool transition to be able to work with both the Islanders and the Knights at the same time because you have guys at that minor level who are trying to get up to that Q level. So to work with kind of similar to the point we just made, you have these players who they have a dream, they're going after it and they're just a few steps behind where that other spot that I already am is. So for me to get to tell them firsthand, like this is what I'm seeing from those guys. This is what they're doing. This is what they're struggling with. And to almost give them sort of the blueprint of like, Hey, if this is where you want to go, this is what I see those guys struggling with. If you can start working on this now, like you're, you're going to be good. You're going to be yeah. ready. Right. So really, I really enjoy working at that level with them because I know that that's the next step they want to make. And I can give them very tangible pieces to say like, Hey, if this is what you want. This, this, and this is what's going to get you there. Yeah. That's a, that's a really big strength to have for a program like that to see, you know, sometimes it's a coach, just like the head coach or something coming down and running drills and, and speaking to them. But to have someone like you who is working with these players on a daily basis at both levels, um, you know, it works both ways in, in helping them, but also helping them uh, project to the next level. So an interesting opportunity for sure. And uh, a lot of people say that minor hockey, in addition to junior hockey, is a good way to uh, tone your skill set as well. So in the summer of 2018, you also gained the title of mental skills consultant with Hockey Canada. How did you find yourself in that position? And then speak your excitement to work with a major organization like Hockey Canada and just touch on some of your responsibilities there. Uh, the How I got into it was honestly kind of ridiculous. I got an email from my sports psych mentor, Tara, and she said, hey, um, I saw this email that popped up, Hockey Canada's looking for some MPCs to apply for this summer. Did you get the email? And I said, no, I didn't. It, an email that came from like the CSBA and I wasn't on the official like mailing list yet. So I didn't get it. But she said, Hey, did you see this? And I was like, no, I didn't. She's like, well, I'll forward it to you. The, um, the deadline is in 12 hours to apply. So I, she forwarded me the email. I probably did up my, I did up my application in a couple hours, sent it off. And then I don't know if it was like a week later or something, get an email and like, Hey, you want to go? Yeah, I want to go. <laughs> yeah, you don't turn was, that opportunity down. <laughs> no, it, like I was, I was amazed. I couldn't believe it. Like a week before, I didn't even know the opportunity existed. Then it's like, oh, you're gonna get a shot. You get to go. It's like, oh man, yeah. It was so getting into it. That's how I got in. It was really cool. It was very random, but hey, I'll take it. And uh, just that experience so far has just been incredible like hockey Canada really is on, they are on another level. 
Yeah. Like I've, I've been in winning cultures before. I know what they look like, but HC takes it to a whole other level. And just to be around that, to be around those people, to learn from them, see how they do things is it's, it's worth its weight in gold really is. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious that Hockey Canada is a, a major organization that probably does things very differently. And just because they have such a wide range and so many people involved, it's um, it's very unique whenever you get the opportunity to work there. And a lot of coaches and general managers and other people that I've spoken with in the past take a lot of opportunities, whether it's, uh, you know, U18 tournaments or or different, um, you know, women's hockey, all these little opportunities to get involved in a tournament as a volunteer and things like that. Um, it's very rewarding and you learn so much. So uh, definitely one of those experiences that I was interested in hearing. Uh, it's interesting to hear how you got there. Uh, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Like you said, 12 hours after finding it and a couple of days later, here you go, you're in the position. So uh, yeah, very cool I, to hear about that and kind of just goes to show. I don't think it's going to go like that for many people. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think it just kind of goes to show that in sport, you really don't know what's coming ahead and you kind of just got to be ready and, and willing to jump right into whatever opportunity, uh, you know, falls into your lap or, or comes through an email as they say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, it was funny. Yeah. It was like, I think the camp was maybe a month and a half or two months after that email. So it was like, all right yeah, yeah. let's go <laughs> a quick turnaround for sure yeah so before i move into some more reflective questions uh, i had to ask about one more position i thought i'd uh, tie it into your work with pei alpine ski uh, touch on that position and just speak to your involvement in yet another sport this is this is where your listeners are gonna this is where we're gonna take a weird turn <laughs> <laughs> i don't think anyone was expecting this one but um when i grew up my main sport in the winter was actually alpine skiing. It wasn't hockey. Like my parents put me on skis before I could walk. Um, by the time I was eight or nine, I asked them like, Hey, like, can I, can I play hockey too? Can I do both? Cause my friends are playing. Like I wanted to play with them cause we had the rink in the backyard, but we were out skiing all the time. And parents were like, no, you gotta, you gotta pick one or the other. And I thought about it. And like, I really like going fast. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up I ended up going with the skiing. So I did that like all my winters when I was a kid. Like that's what got me into mental performance in the first place because I went to my first national championship when I was 13 and I choked big time. And it was it was really difficult, like it was really painful for me personally. I know, you know, looking back like oh you were 13, you choked and won national championship whatever, but like at the time it was like oh it was bad. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, I'm either going to quit because this really sucks or I'm going to find out what went wrong and fix it so I never have to do that again. And I started looking at things and like, I didn't fail because I didn't have the physical skills to succeed. I failed because I was not mentally prepared for the challenge at hand. So I started doing, I started Googling things and reading books and learning this stuff. And it made a huge impact in myself as an athlete and I said okay I'll start I want to help others with this but uh yeah with the ski team like it was just a natural progression when I aged out from an athlete I just I slipped right into a coaching position I got to do that throughout my undergrad so I still got to be coaching and, and teaching the mental performance techniques I'd taught myself to my skiing athletes 
and that was a lot of fun. I got to, I got to go to them with, you know, a bunch of different, you know, I got to travel with them down in the States, do training camps, places, got to do Canada games in a coaching position. And just one more, one more weird sport to add into my, into my list, but man, I don't regret it at all. It's a lot of fun. No, I don't think any opportunity um, that you can work in sport is, is one to regret, but yeah, definitely a, a sport that has yet to be said on the podcast, but, but one that I'm hoping will come up again. Um, it just kind of goes <laughs> to show that, uh, you know, you really do, uh, it really was full circle, like you said, uh, you know, being an athlete and, and having that reflection and, and then learning those skills and then passing it on and almost like set you in motion to work as a consultant and a performance coach uh, for the rest of your life. Um, you know, looking back on your positions in skiing and soccer, baseball and hockey, what are some of the major takeaways that you have from working with these athletes? Um, maybe touching on the difference in the various sports. Oh man. Um, when it comes to the various sports, for me, it's like the thing that was really interesting for me was seeing some of the commonalities in players who have a drive to succeed. Like it didn't matter if it was a team sport or if it was an individual sport the players who had that drive to constantly improve and give everything they could, those players always stood out. And those seemed to be the ones that even if they didn't start at a high level, they would creep up there and they'd start surprising people. You know, that was always a big, a big one for me. Taking individual sport aspects into team sports was also a really big thing too, because like every team is made up of individuals and we want to, maximize what those individuals can do but at the same time a team is its own thing it's its own organism and to be able to do the chemistry to make those individual personalities fit into a team that's going to succeed like getting that right mix if you can do that like all bets are off man like sky is the limit <laughs> that's yeah. something i've definitely learned from being with a lot of teams that that didn't have that mix and teams that did have that mix and just you can almost just taste in the air the difference it's it's amazing yeah being around organizations like that um like you said they, they really do have that different feel uh, a lot of times it's the championship teams you see it they just have the right character or the right mindset it kind of mm -hmm. just goes to show uh the mentality that these winning teams uh, had and um, great to hear about the takeaways from a single sport going into a team sport as well. So we see most, uh, mental consulting being utilized in all these sports uh, and hockey specifically with many players taking full advantage of it. You know, Nathan McKinnon is one who speaks of it regularly and talks about how his performance uh, really grew with that mental coaching. Why do you feel mental consulting is so key to sports and, you know, life overall? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is that it's, it's step number one. Like everything that we do as human beings starts with a thought and it moves outwards from that. Whether that thought is conscious or subconscious, it doesn't matter. It all starts in your head. So why wouldn't we do everything we can to maximize step one and build a really strong foundation on which to build moving forward? Like, how we respond to challenges makes all the difference. And if you have the mental skill set to be able to respond to challenges the way you want to, like 
even those select few opportunities you might have as a human being, as a performer, whatever it is, if you're able to rise above a challenge and, and make advantage, take advantage of it, like it's such a huge, it's such a huge advantage, you know, and this goes not just for being in the arena, but also life in general, like life is full of challenges. And a lot of times those challenges, even if they are physical, like say if you, if you get sick or if you get a bad injury or something like that, like, yes, you need to physically heal and you need to put in the work to do it. But mentally you need to be able to cope. You need to be able to deal with it and you need to be able to come back stronger than you did before. So why not strengthen step number one as much as you can? Why not build a strong foundation? Yeah, that's, that's a very key phrase there, you know, build that foundation. And when you have that foundation, you don't really have to worry about where you're coming from. You can really focus on, on where you want to get to and things like that. So it really just does it, uh, does bring it full circle there and, and uh, speaks to the importance of it in multiple sports. And like I said, in life in general, in your opinion, um, you know, since you've started and then kind of what you've reviewed in the past, how far has mental consulting grown since you've kind of got into it? And how far do you think it still needs to go? Since I first got into it, it's, I think it's grown leaps and bounds. Like it, it's amazing. It's amazing how much excellent research has been done. It's amazing how the practitioners are taking that research and putting it out into the world. Like there are, I can't go a month without reading about some new, some new topic or some new practice or some new anything. It's like, Hey, like, yeah, that could be beneficial. Let's look into that more. So it's, it's coming along really well in terms of crafting it where I think we need to do better and where we need to do more is we need to advertise better. Like we really do. Um, Cause there's still, and I get it. I understand it. There's still a stigma around it. You know, like I had a, I had a player that I worked with um, first time I introduced myself to him and said what I did. He's like, Oh, like you, you work with the goalies who have a bad head, right? Like that's the first thing he said. And I'm like, I laughed. They're like, well, I do, but <laughs> we do so much more than that. Yeah. Right. Like something just kind of came to my mind maybe six months ago. And I've been telling athletes ever since a lot of players, when they first learn about me and what I do, they kind of look at me as a hospital. Like if something's wrong or they aren't performing the way they want to, they think like, okay, I'll go to Jackson. He'll help me fix it, which I will. Don't get me wrong. I'll absolutely do that. But what I tell players now is try not to look at me as a hospital. Look at me more as a gym. Like, yeah, if you're hurting and you need to get better, I can help. But just because you are already good doesn't mean you can't get better. Yeah. And just the same way that we can physically do the reps in the gym and get stronger there, you can mentally do the reps in your brain and get stronger there too. So even if you already are, if you're already on the first line, if you're already getting prime PP minutes, whatever it is, like you can still do more, you can still get better. And the mental side is something that so few players have tried to tap into there's so much potential for them to gain so much more if they just try it. Yeah. I think um, 
it almost follows the, the stigma of analytics early on uh, on a hockey operations side. Obviously, two very different things. and uh, But they but can mesh together. Exactly. And, and when used with different things, uh, they can you know, generate results, but uh, maybe more so mental health consulting as a, as a more uh, important topic just in, in so many different areas. Uh, it's one of those things that players really do need to uh, be willing to try and like you said it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're you're sick or you don't have to be fixed to do the training and, and work on your mental skills it's it's just an opportunity to get better like a gym don't it's not a hospital it's like a gym so a uh, really good point there and um, coaches maybe that's something that they look to uh, utilize in their programs moving forward and players uh, you know change their mindset in that way so in some reflective questions here, uh, what are some of your favorite books, articles, et cetera, that you look to for reference and new ideas, whether it be for mental consulting or other areas in general? No, um, like <laughs> when, when it comes to new ideas, I'm looking everywhere. Like I follow a bunch of different, uh, you know, like people on say like Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Like I'm always, I'm always looking for little, tidbits, little ideas, little stories that I can relate into something mental performance wise that I can give to my players. Um, yeah. When it comes to new stuff like that, when it comes to like articles of reference, I've got like my Bibles here that I started with <laughs> like sports, like basics, Andrew Caruso, excellent book, the mental athlete by Kay Porter probably read this one like 10 times. Anything by Terry Orlick is good. Um, that's all like, bread and butter sports like stuff, but some, an author and some books I recommended and I've bought, like actually bought and gifted books to for coaches and players. Um, the obstacles, the way by Ryan Holiday, Ryan Holiday, sorry. And, um, ego is the enemy also by Ryan Holiday. Like I'm just looking everywhere for an edge, man. <laughs> yeah. Anywhere I can find it, I'll take it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a mindset that a lot of people follow. Uh, you know, just because you're in one area doesn't mean that everything you read, everything you listen to, has to be in that area or on that specific area. And um, hopefully, through the podcasts and the different guests, people are kind of seeing that's the way I think as well. You can learn something from different people, different leagues, and different positions. But a number of great resources there, and I recommend people uh, follow up on those books and and dive into that topic as well. Uh, looking at your career to date, who are some of the mentors who have helped you progress and what are some of the lessons that you've learned from them and through your experiences overall? Oh man. <laughs> well, mentors, like I, I had to write a list down ahead of time just cause I knew I didn't want to forget anyone. Like first off, you know, the parents, they, they, they basically shape so much of who you are as a person. Like I learned hard work and patience from them being calm in adverse situations from them. And I get to pass that knowledge on to the players I work with. So they are a huge part of it. Always have been, always will be. Um, ski coaches that I've worked with, you know, you're starting, when you go from being an athlete in a sport to being a coach, like you start to rely on those people in a different way. You learn different things from them. Um, Mike Lumley there at Western and with the Badgers, which is huge. Tara Costello for sports like mentor. Uh, you got Kim Thompson, who is, the head mental performance on the women's side at Hockey Canada. Ryan Hamilton is the head mental performance on the men's side for Hockey Canada and pretty much all the HC staff. Like they're so knowledgeable. I learned so much more from them than I probably teach them every time I'm there, <laughs> which is huge. 
And finally, like with the Islanders, Kevin Elliott and Jim Holton, those, those guys are just ridiculously good human beings. Um, the, the entire coaching staff is everyone there brings something excellent to the table and probably in the same way, like I probably learn more from them than I teach them. That's for sure. And when it comes to like the major lessons that I get from them and just my experience, I guess it would be, there really is a major need for this stuff. Like there are opportunities for athletes, coaches, and everyone in an organization to make huge moves forward to make huge improvements. If they're willing to just try it out and do it. Like it's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt. It's not like you're going to get a needle or you're going to pull a muscle. Like just, just give it a shot. It's not, it's not going to be the end of the world. And one of the most rewarding things is to see a player who sometimes I talk about it being like, uh, I had this, this analogy I use with players. I talk about my girlfriend and her, and her enjoyment of Hawaiian pizza. So I've always loved Hawaiian pizza. Like I'll, I'll have a room full of players and I'll be like, all right, hands up if you like Hawaiian pizza. Usually you'll have like maybe a third of them put their hands up. Like, okay, hands up if you hate it. And everyone else puts their hands up usually because it's a love-hate thing. No one's like, no one's meh on Hawaiian pizza. They either love it or they hate it. So I tell them, so I've always loved Hawaiian pizza. Girlfriend hated it. So we get pizza and I'd be like, Hey, do you want to try some of my pizza? And she'd be like, Oh no, like Hawaiian pizza is gross. Never going to do it. Mm -mm. I said, well, have you ever tried it? She's like, no, but I know just looking at it, knowing the ingredients, I know it's not going to taste good and I'm not going to like it. So I'd say, well, why don't you just try it? Just take a bite. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to be the end of the world. If you don't like it, that's cool. But if you do like it, then you just found a great new flavor, right? So sure enough, takes a bite. And she's like, you know what? Actually not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, it's a really weird way of saying it, but like, that's kind of the path that so many athletes and even coaches I've worked with for sports like have gone. They start with like, okay, I don't understand it. It seems weird. I don't want to do it. And then they give it a shot. And then they say like, why didn't I start doing this years ago? Sure. So, yeah, that's, that's been a big lesson for me is just really trying to help introduce it to people and, and understanding too, that you need to create a relationship before you can really try to encourage someone to try it because they need to trust you before they trust what you do. You know, it's that old adage of like, they need to know how much you care before they care what you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a big one there. And finally, I think the last like major lesson would be that everyone is more capable than they think they're if they can just get out of their own way. Like people more oftentimes sell themselves short and everyone has so much more potential than they realize they have. And a lot of times you just need someone to help reveal to you, okay, like here's a way that you can get to that next level. Here's a way that you can step up and move forward. And just to, to see a player do something they never thought they could before. That's just so rewarding. That's, that's why I do what I do basically. I think there's uh, so many great takeaways from that, 
the best view there you know first of all uh so Sorry many no no uh, that, that's why i like it uh, it definitely makes my job easier but uh you know like you you mentioned the people in charlottetown and and other organizations hockey canada um kind of just goes to show that wherever you're to in in sports in general um there's great people who are willing to help you and uh, so much to learn from them and then with the hawaiian pizza and uh, you know, jumping into this aspect of hockey and sports, it's uh, it's something that you really do just have to try for yourself and and see because, you know, as you mentioned, you never know um, how beneficial it can be until you actually get in there and, and test it out. So um, a number of great points you made there. Finally, as a final question of the day, I asked this to everybody on the podcast, <laughs> what advice do you have for someone who is looking to enter, enter your field, you know, mental performance and skill consulting? in hockey or in other sports? Maybe that's someone just coming into school or maybe it's even a player who's looking to jump in that area. For sure. Yeah, I've been, I've been really fortunate to have players I worked with reach out and say like, hey, like I like what you do and I'd consider doing it. Like that just, that hits close to home for me. I really like, I like hearing stuff like that. And I usually tell them a few basic things. Like one would be get as much experience as you can. Like, you're probably gonna have to work for free at the start or if you're already coaching somewhere else, work it into what you do, you know, be hungry, learn about it, read books, try to understand as much as you can get out there and get experience. And this will sound a little weird, but it should also make sense. Get good experience and get bad experience. So like if you can, if you can work with a team, which you know, like has a good winning culture and you know, they're going to do well, work with them because you're going to learn so much about what a winning culture is and how it's cultivated. But if you have an opportunity to work with a team that isn't so good, do it because you're going to learn what doesn't work. (laughs) You're going to start to see like, okay, that should change and that should be different and things like that. And so getting good experience and, and not so good experience, very beneficial. Um, Screw up as much as you can without losing your, job (laughs) or even screw up so much that you do lose your job because you're going to learn so much more when things don't go your way than when they do and I have learned the most from my screw-ups when I thought like okay I'm done (laughs) yeah like that that's not that's not going to fly like this isn't good but I've learned so much from those and and it's just made me stronger. It's just made me so much better. And I guess the last thing I'd tell anyone who wants to do this stuff, and this just goes for people in general, whether you're coaching or whether you're doing mental performance work, it's, you know, you got to build that relationship first. You have to, like if they, if they don't know you, if they don't trust you, if they don't feel comfortable with you going deeper into what they want to do, their desires and how they can improve, then you're not going to make an impact. So as much as they're going to tell you in school, like, okay, here's all the theories and here's, you know, here's the, the basics and the fundamentals. And like, yes, that's all important. You need that. But until you have your foot in the door, which you only get from that trust and that relationship, it doesn't matter what you know. No, no, that's for sure. And I think trust and building relationships really is the key to being successful in whatever you do. Um, Jackson, that was a great way to uh, end the conversation and, I really uh, appreciate you taking some time to talk about mental performance and mental health and and the multiple sports that you've worked in. So, uh, yeah, once again, thank you for taking some time to talk with me and I wish you all the best moving forward.
Thank you, sir. No, this was, this was a lot of fun. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks yeah. for the opportunity. Hey, right, thanks. I'd like to thank Jackson for coming on the podcast and giving us the rundown of his career. Through his unique path, he showcased the ability to grow in hockey while utilizing other sports. So once again, I'd like to thank him for providing that unique perspective. If you would like to get in touch with Jackson to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can look to make that connection for you. On the next episode of the podcast, I'll be joined by Vincent Petrangelo, head coach of the Arcadia University Knights. As a university coach, Vincent ventures outside of junior hockey in his journey, and he's able to talk about the unique situation of creating a new program during COVID-19, so you won't want to miss out on that one. As always, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for continually supporting the podcast. Stay safe, and all the best.